Live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a news flash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clive. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have everybody here today. Kelly, how about you? I am very excited. Good day. You're on the phone. I know. I I don't know what's going on with technology. It's like talking to my... Yeah, I want to say something first. Did you see, did you get the notification that we've been friends on Facebook for three years today? Today? Yeah. Oh. So I want to thank you for being my friend for three years. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Traveled down the road and back again. Back again. <laughs> See, we don't need music. We can make our own. Who would you be on that show? <sighs> Rose. Rose. <laughs> no, I think I'd probably be Sophia, to be completely honest with you. Yeah. I would probably be so Sophia because, uh-huh. you know, she's just like a, a wise ass. But Right. I, right. right. And, she, and she knows stuff, but she doesn't like to let on that she knows stuff. She just likes to make a jerk out of people. <laughs> <laughs> so I would that would probably be me. But if you're if you're looking at like my family dynamic. My mm-hmm. husband would tell you that I'm the rose to his Dorothy. Oh. Because he thinks everything that I say is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> who who um, would you be, Kelly? I like the Dorothy character, the Dorothy. Mm. I'd be her. Oh, wow. Be Arthur. Yeah. Wow. I think she's pretty funny. Neither of us want to be Blanche, huh? (laughs) Neither of us will admit it. No. She was a hot tomato, though. Right. Jeez. (laughs) I love that show. That was, like, one of my favorite shows on television. Yeah, it was a good one. You know what? We need to get sitcoms back. I know. Everything is reality or cooking show. I agree. Or, you know, flip this house or flip your shit. Or flip a table. Yeah. <laughs> That's what everything is. I liked it when it was game shows mm-hmm. and sitcoms. That's when yeah. TV was the best. If I ever stayed home from school, I'd get that TV guide out and I'd be circling every show I was going to watch. True story, right? You didn't even have <laughs> highlighters. You circled shit. No. Just used a pen. Absolutely. And if you were <laughs> lucky, you had a red one. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You only saw those in school, though. Yeah, there was no Roku. No. <laughs> you, know, you didn't, didn't have a, and you didn't have a stapler at home either. You didn't have a stapler at home. That's true, Kelly. No, 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 no you do. 
got all that stuff. You had to wait till you got to school before you staple your paper and turn it in. Right? You had to, like, fold the corners 27 right. times. Do you ever fold it and then make that little rip in the middle? Yes! <laughs> that, that was the old school staple right there. <laughs> this is never coming apart. Right? <laughs> and uh, and fewer people got hurt, I'll tell you that. That's right. You staple kids in the head. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. We had such a good time. School was so much simpler then. Life was so much simpler then. You yeah. know? That was great. You know? You yeah, just, that- like, I don't know. Things, and things were exciting and fun. You know? Like, we didn't suck the fun out of everything like we do today. <laughs> right. You know? Did you read yeah. my, the, the post on, um, on Parent Nation on Facebook about, uh, about my kids' field trip? Yes. Oh, well, we have to let the rest of Parent Nation in on this. Because if you're not on my Facebook page, Parent Nation, then you're not getting the full story. And Mm -mm. so you need to go on Facebook to Parent Nation Radio on Facebook and and join the parent party. We have a good time over there. But we talk about stuff, you know. And um, so so here's the scoop. Um, I signed up to be a chaperone. My my kid's class was supposed to go to Philadelphia on Friday. And... Mm -hmm. uh, didn't hear anything back. I got I got no notification back. Yesterday he comes. He has a, a little. He has a buddy over, and they're talking, and they're like, "Yeah, did you hear the the field trip got canceled?" And we're like, "What? How do you cancel an entire grades field trip?" Mm-hmm. Well, here it's because not enough of the parent chaperones had their clearances. Mm. And Kelly, by clearances, like. We're talking serious shit here. We're talking FBI clearances, child, say, you know, child um, uh, predator, you know, all that clearances. We're talking fingerprints. Right. Right. You don't need that shit to get a gun. Yeah. You don't need that to get a driver's license. You don't need that to get a passport. They don't fingerprint you to get a passport, you know. So so they canceled the kids' field trips because not enough parents paid, you know, spent months. And it does. It takes it takes weeks, it's like six to eight weeks to get all this stuff yeah. back easily. Yeah. Come on. It's a field That's, trip. Right. We're not staying overnight. We're not staying in hotel rooms with these kids. You know, you're you're sitting on a damn bus. I sit on buses with kids all the time going to New York City. I don't have to have clearances to be in the same bus as them. You know? That's nuts. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. I don't understand it. You know, like, these kids are in your school district. They all have to fill out paperwork in the beginning of the school year. You have more paperwork as a parent than the kids do in the first week of school because you have to fill out 47 different freaking forms. And provide your insurance information and emergency contacts and all that other BS. You can't tell me that you don't have on record who the sexual predators are in your area. Or, you know what I mean? Right. You can't tell me that. That's ridiculous. You know? And if there is a personal issue within a family, 
that one parent can't be around their child, that is a personal issue. You don't make that a school-wide issue. Right. Right? Am I right there? Yes, but some people like to do that. I don't know why. I don't... uh, They want want the school to know all their business, and this person can't be within 100 feet from me, so they cannot go on the field trip. Because it's not about safety anymore. It's about drama. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's... And don't get me wrong. I, I, you know, that was a very bold statement. Of course it's about safety. Of course we are focused on keeping our kids safe. But we're, we're doing it um, at the expense of their childhood because right. we involve so much drama. Because we let it degrade to that. It's just mm-hmm. insane. I'm so pissed. I'm so pissed about this. I don't even know. I, I don't even, but I don't know what to do. Like these parents aren't going to go out. The parents who would who would take the time, who are home, available, and willing, many of them do not have the time nor the finances to spend hundreds of dollars to go to their courthouse and everything else and and get all of these clearances and all of this all of this check work done. They simply don't. It, right. I don't understand what we're doing. I truly don't mm. get it. So wow. it has stuff. I mean, can you? Okay, so my husband is chaperoning a sleepover trip at the end of the school year. That's all I'm going to say about it because I don't want to disclose anybody's private shit, right? And okay. he had to go through all those clearances. That's how I know of what I speak because we've been through this process. It's not inexpensive. And it's not, it's not simple. So I, mm-hmm. I don't understand why we're taking it. Do you, am I wrong? I mean, what case do you think parents should have to go through that process, Kelly? I, I think it's crazy. I've never even heard of it before. So do I you mean, think? I worked think- at a school and all they did was, well, they fingerprint and background checked me. But, and that's working at a school, just those two things. So you're working in the school district day-to-day with the with all the kids? Right. And before I was hired, they fingerprinted me and background checked me. That was it. And, and you know, yeah, it's, and you got your, you got your child clearances. Right. Yeah, everything, yeah. But I didn't, well, I didn't have to pay for did, it. Cause did I the school pay fine. for it? Yes. Yeah. So then what do do we say, okay, if I'm going to, I have to sign up at the beginning of the school year as a potential chaperone and then the school pays for me to get all this stuff done. Is that what we're going to, is that what we're going to resort to? Jeez. I don't, yeah, it sounds like it. (laughs) Oh, for shit's sake. Uh, and this is the same institution. This is what I said on Facebook too. This is the same institution that requires me to invite every kid in the classroom to my child's birthday party, <laughs> which will probably be at my home, and I will be the only chaperone. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, how much sense are you not making right now? For but sure? that's on your own time, lady. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 
you know, parents need to do their own damn homework if they're going to send their kids to a birthday party these days. That's crazy. 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 Yeah, I love how they have they make you have an invitation for everyone in the class. Mm-hmm. Because you can't hurt anybody's so, feelings. Right. So instead of maybe five to eight kids, you have 29 kids at your house. It's insane. You know, it's um, April is Autism Awareness Month. So yeah. we're going to be talking about, you know, autism topics quite a bit this month. But um, one thing that, that really segues into what we're discussing here is my youngest son, he is on the autism spectrum. He has Asperger's and had mm-hmm. a really, really, really hard time making friends. Um, he's not a social butterfly. Like mm-hmm. to him, one good friend, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. Leave me alone. I don't need to have any more than that. I'm good. And, uh, but we have the rule, you know, we have the, you've got to invite everybody rule. So we had his party at a laser tag place. So Uh there was like a ropes course and laser tag and roller skating and all this stuff. And so he had to invite everybody. And we wound up with like 20 some kids at this birthday party cost us so much freaking money. And do you know, he walked up to not one, but two of the kids at the party to thank them for coming. And both of them in one way or another said to him, I didn't want to come. I'm only here because of the laser tag or I'm. Oh no. One said, I'm only here because my mom made me come. Oh, Oh, that sucks. Right. That does. So guess what? Next year. Next year, we we played the IEP card, and we only handed out invitations to kids that Alex wanted to invite, and then we played the IEP card, mm-hmm. and we took them all in a limo and went to all these really cool places, because we thought, you know what? Screw you, you little brats. Right. I'm not... No. And if I have to play the IEP card to be able to do that, so doing it. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I'm not ashamed to admit it at all. Not even one little bit. And I'll tell you what, those 10 kids that did come were excited to be there. They had a great time. We spoiled the hell out of them. Oh, that's so cool. You know, I think it's a, I think it would be a good lesson for kids to know that when you treat people like crap, you can't expect to be treated well. It's going to come back and kick you at one point or another. You know? Yes. Yes. Kids can be so cruel. They can be. And I, you know, uh, I know that kids bully because of, you know, internal conflict. I'm well aware. Thank you very much. But it doesn't mean that we have to tolerate it. Exactly. (laughs) I can be well aware of your struggle and not have to tolerate your bullshit. Right? That's so true. It's so true. I know what you're up to, kid, but deal with it. I know what you're dealing with, sweetie, and I will be your advocate to the ends of the earth. Just don't treat me like crap or you're going to get it right back. Right. No need to be mean. Exactly. Exactly. Apparently, you get enough of that crap at home. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know? Uh, I'm dealing with, I'm going through, I'm getting my certification in applied positive psychology. That was, that was glaring, glaringly obvious by the last conversation we just had. Right. But no, here's the thing. 
Here's the thing, Kelly. This is what I love about it. It's not being happy isn't about being perpetually happy all the time in all circumstances. It's about allowing a range of emotions, um, but being cognizant of what you're creating. Wow, that's deep. See, I like it though. I do too. How many too. people like those? How many people like those people that are happy all the time? I can't stand them. They make I me want to puke. I don't know. It's ridiculous. I can't. Yeah. Oh, God. It's like the people who are so, like, they can't see the forest through the trees. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, God. You know, if you, oh, there are so many things I want to talk about with that. But it's, we actually watched a video about the, um, the, the dilemma that people are dealing with with perpetually happy people and how it's a, it's a diagnosis and it's an illness. <laughs> Is it really? No, it was a spoof. It was a spoof. It's oh, like, you know, God. we've got, we've got to help these people that are, that are perpetually happy. Oh, <laughs> we've okay. got to do yeah. something to stop them because it's unhealthy. And it's, it's <laughs> kind of funny, but it's true. And I think it that it's <laughs> so true. You know, I love the guy who's on Facebook, the red haired guy, what's his name? PJ something who does all the spoof videos about essential oils and stuff like that. I don't you know. think I've seen him. <laughs> you know, you'll have to go on my Facebook page and look it up because there's okay. stuff. But yeah, he talks about, he, he, he talks about all of the things that are supposed to make you perpetually happy and how they're just bogus and bubkis. And I think that, I think that's the biggest thing that we struggle with with kids is not allowing them a full range of emotions. We want them to be constantly happy. That is so, so true. That's so true. I am really, really excited about our guest today. Yes. Yeah, Scott Scott Beeson. He is going to be talk. He has a book called The Working Dad Survival Guide, and yes. he's going to be talking to us about um, how to succeed at work and at home. and uh, And it's Dad Day, so it's perfect. Oh, yes, Dad Day. Woohoo! We love us some Dad Day. So um, yeah, we're going to be talking to him and. Uh, don't forget, Kelly, that this show is brought to you by TK's Toy Box. So if yes. you're looking for educational, fun, nonviolent toys for charities that you support, go check out tkstoybox.com. And uh, when we come back from this break, we're going to be talking to Scott about how to succeed at work at home, the Working Dad Survival Guide. So stay tuned. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. 
article in Mental Floss magazine listed some actual town names in the United Kingdom that are sure to bring a chuckle to American tourists. Would you like to live in the village of Upton Snodsbury? It's near North Piddle. How about Pickle Church in lovely South Gloucestershire? Or Barton and the Beans in Curry Mallet? How about a vacation in Mudford Sock? Or Puddletown, an adorably named spot in Dorset? But my favorite town is found in Buckinghamshire. It's called Lover Houses. I'd like to send a big thank you to all of the brave men and women of our armed forces serving at home and abroad. We appreciate all the good you do in the world on behalf of America. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I am really excited for our first guest today. His name is Scott Beeson, and he is the professor of management at Farley Dixon University. But um, the thing that I I find truly um, amazing is... Besides the the book that he's written, The Working Dad Survival Guide, he was a featured speaker at the White House recently for the uh, Summit on Working Families, and uh, he really he really knows what he's talking about. He's a natural he's a national expert in work and family issues, and um, his book is it, it, it's not just a read; it's it's an activity book and it's it's uh, workbook pages and it's things to really make you stop and think about what you're doing and and creating that balance. So I'm so excited to have you here, Scott. How are you? Can you hear me, Scott? Oh, no. What happened to Scott? <laughs> we are... Hello, Scott. Oh, did we lose Scott? So, Kelly, how's it going? Live radio. I love it. <laughs> you know, it's fun. It's exciting. It keeps us on our toes, right, Kelly? Yes, but... But my calves get really sore, and then my toes all the time. Hello. Hey, Scott. How's it going? <laughs> Hello, this is Scott. Hi. <laughs> we just did, like, the most amazing intro of you ever on the whole planet. Hello, this is Scott. <laughs> Scott can't hear us. What a bummer. Oh my. oh, my goodness. So, I don't know what we can do. I guess maybe we could go to commercial and try to get Scott on the air so that we can hear each other, which would be kind of fun. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else to do. Aw. So, let's go to break, and then we'll come back to Scott. Does that sound like it'll work? Okay. Works for me. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. <laughs> Hey, 
everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am here now with Scott Beeson, and he is the author of The Working Dad Survival Guide. And more than that, he is a uh, he's the professor of management at Farley Dixon University and a national expert in work and family issues. But what's really cool, which, what I find really cool because I'm kind of jealous, is that he was a featured speaker at the recent White House Summit on Working Families. Um, so I am super excited to have him here to talk about his book and also about um, helping families and and mo- particularly dads get through this struggle of work-life balance. So, hey, Scott, how are you? Hi, Tara. So happy to be here. I am so glad you're here. <laughs> we love live radio. <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> it's just the most fun on the planet. So um, I love... I love everything that you're doing right now. I mean, we celebrate dads, you know, the first, the first show of every month, we just dedicate to celebrating dads. And so you are just like the perfect person to have on for that celebration. So you, um, in, in addition to all the other stuff that you do, you also founded a blog called father's work and family. Um, that's that's pretty much dedicated to helping dads in the workplace. Can you tell us a little bit about what you discuss and what you do? Sure. Well, as you mentioned before, I'm a business school professor. I'm also a busy working dad who juggles raising my son with my wife and her career. And so um, from both perspectives of dealing with companies and with managers on work-family balance and also realizing that Really, there's not a lot of support or conversation out there. I mean, your radio show uh, accepted from that, of course, um, (laughs) that really highlights dads or highlights dads with their work family concerns. And so I kind of thought that there was a real need and a real opportunity for information, advice, and encouragement uh, for working dads to help them with their work family balance. So I started with the blog, which, again, is Father's Work and Family. And from that, it developed into, um, you know, again, the book, The Working Dad Survival Guide. And again, you know, I'm really happy and I'm really proud that both the blog and the book are out there and I think really helping dads realize, first off, they're not alone in struggling with work-family challenges and that, you know, there are ways we could do this more successfully. Absolutely. I agree with you completely on that. I mean, here's the truth as I see it. We are so we are so ingrained in the belief system that men segment things and compartmentalize things, mm-hmm. and women deal with the we are uh, multitaskers. We deal with the emotion and the facts and the processes and all of that all at one time, and we're expected to you know we're expected to keep up with everything. And I think what we're realizing is as we move into a more equality-based society, I think what we're realizing is that's really not true. You know, dads deal with just as much struggle and frustration over trying to balance work and getting to sports activities and getting to performances and doing homework and, you know, being there for dinner and all that other stuff. Dads deal with that just as much as moms do. They're just not allowed to emote about it as much. Well, I think that's certainly a component here. I mean, I don't think it, you know, I think moms and dads face related but not exactly the same types of challenges. I know, you know, working moms, a lot falls to them. Um, society expects 
an awful lot from moms that maybe isn't expected from dads. Uh, but I think your overall point is right, that um, it's not seen as, like, manly um, to, to talk about family-related stuff for, for a dad to do so uh, while at work or maybe even with other guys, or maybe within even their marriages. Um, mm-hmm. Some of it we do to ourselves. You know, we put ourselves in our own little gender jails sometimes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we also don't see a lot of conversation and support about this. And I think the more uh, we see conversation and support over, yeah, you know, dads, your struggle is a valid one, um, I think then more men will open up and seek support and help each other and step up at home and, you know, almost maybe more challenge the system at work um, or in other places in society. But, I mean, things – and you were also correct in saying things are changing, and I think things are changing for the better. Um, my wife and I recently went to my son's – the parent-teacher conference for my son, and there were dads everywhere – and there are dads in my bus stop, and there are dads, you know, and, um, you know, and I don't, I, I know in some places in the country it might seem odd to see a, a, a man with a child at a playground during the day, but not where I live, and I think that's becoming more common and more accepted, and I think that's a really good thing, because it, it it frees dads up to, you know, instead of locking something uh, away from themselves, you know, they could really embrace, you know, all the sides of parenthood. But also, it's good for women because then, you know, if it if if the default is women have to take care of all of this work family juggle, you know, then that that hurts them in the workplace or puts so much pressure on them that they have to do everything. Um, it'd be much better if we had a, a society that really um, supported and encouraged dads as much as moms. It's true. And I think we're seeing it in our, even in the language that we use, you know, like something as basic as, um, just saying dads are, the dad is babysitting tonight. You know, we don't do that anymore. Mm. We're Uh, we're, we're not as much anymore. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, interestingly, I I spoke at the national at home dad network convention, Mm -hmm. uh, a few months ago and they actually sell T-shirts that say "Dads don't babysit," right? <laughs> <laughs> because they they face that. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, this, a lot of these stereotypes are are um, are fading away, which is good. And you know, for example, Amazon um, for a long time has had the Amazon Mom program um, mm-hmm. on their website for buying diapers in bulk and formula in bulk and things like that. And they recently renamed it Amazon Family, you know, just to reflect the reality that, you know, parenting issues are not just mom issues. Exactly. And we see, we're seeing it quite a bit, actually. Like today, the Today Show, they had a blog called Today Moms, and they've changed it to Today's Parents. And it's, yes, absolutely. And I think that we're realizing that if we want... We've heard the battle cry of single moms and we mm-hmm. validate it and we and yep. we honor them. And at the same time, we kind of have to look at that at some point and say, what are you doing to bring the, the dad back into this picture? Yeah. You know, yeah. if it wasn't a, if it wasn't a dangerous situation, then what are you doing to to bring it back into a co-parenting situation? So I love that. We're going to have to go to break, but we're going to keep you on, Steve, because we love you. Oh, great. Thanks. (laughs) So when we come back, 
um, we're going to be talking to you about the other points in your book, um, advice that you have for working parents and, uh, and how couples can work together. So hold on and we'll be back after this break. Or pop up window or close your iTunes player. Uh, oh, f- it. Parrot Nation, Tara Kennedy Klein needs a pee break. And then we'll be right back with more Parenting with a Twist. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. was the first item ever sold on eBay? Believe it or not, it was a broken laser pointer sold in September 1995 for $14.83. The founder of eBay asked the buyer if he knew the laser pointer was broken when he bought it. The owner simply said, I'm a collector of broken laser pointers. Seems pointless to me, but this seemingly worthless item was a bellwether of merchandise to follow. Here are some Jifu jets or other unnecessary items that have been sold Sold on eBay. Some Goostrum noodles will buy anything, even a cornflake. Yes, a cornflake shaped like the state of Illinois, sold for about $1,350. What was one of the most expensive eBay.com purchases? A $140 million yacht. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, we are talking today with Scott Beeson, who is the author of The Working Dad Survival Guide, and we are celebrating Dad Day with him. So, um, Scott, before the break, we were talking about how, um, you know, society's views of dads versus moms used to be, you know, dads are babysitters, dads can compartmentalize, dads don't talk about parenting stuff, and moms are just expected to, to you know, just shoulder the burden of all of that, you know, all the emotion and, and the, the grunge work and all of that stuff. And truly, you're, the point of your book is to help moms and dads um, kind of divide and conquer and also celebrate the joys of parenting without being overwhelmed. Yeah, if anything, the book is really pro 
kid or pro-family, I think, yeah. uh, more so than pro-dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, I, I wrote the Working Dad Survival Guide, again, because I think there have been other resources and books out there specifically for working moms, but I had not seen one that really spoke to the realities that, that working dads face. And um, so even though I think 90% of the advice in the book could really apply to working moms as well, um, mm-hmm. I wrote the book very much in a guy-to-guy way. Um, so even though it's based on research and best practice and, you know, there's a lot of substance in it, you know, I really try to write it like um, – like I'm talking to a friend at a barbecue. And in fact, that, that's what one of the reviews of the book said that, um, that, you know, hey, this book has a lot of great information, but it, it really just feels like you're talking to a friend over a beer in a barbecue. And that's exactly the tone I was going for, because I think people are more receptive to advice, uh, particularly on an issue that has some emotion um, in it, like family-related items, if it's much more conversational and um, peer-to-peer as opposed to like, you know, I'm some expert on a hill, which, of course, you know, I'm a, I'm, you know, I, I juggle this stuff and, and am challenged with it just as much as any other dad. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, from a from a female perspective, um, but the by the way, through the way I was raised, I found your book to be more in in alignment with how I like to receive information, too. Oh, great. So, you know, but then again, you will most likely on the weekends find me at a barbecue drinking a beer. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it, that, that kind of makes sense. But I think that it it is it is worded very much in the masculine, but that's comforting to me. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yes, so, I do. Yeah, I didn't yeah. find it. Uh, yeah, I didn't find it overtly male. I found it to your point, very conversational. So a lot of what you do in, there's a lot of, um, practice and a lot of work, you know, like worksheet workbook type activities Mm -hmm. to do in your book. What tell us, tell parent nation a little bit about what that's all about. Sure. So, you know, I want this book to be really usable, not something that somebody just reads and says, Oh, that was interesting. But like, I I think there are, (laughs) Things, you know, large and small that we could start doing tomorrow uh, while reading the book that, that can really help us, you know, um, to help change someone's work-family balance. You know, some are, some are simple changes that we can make, just using our time a little bit better, thinking through what we want to do with our time a little more thoughtfully. And other things will be harder and take more time. I mean, you know, transitioning a career or doing financial planning might take a long time. Uh, but there's some things you could do tomorrow. So that's what I really tried to do was in each chapter of the book, you know, break it down into here's something I could do tomorrow that can help me in my life and it can help my family's life. So what the book does, I, I start with a section on talking about priorities and just if we don't think about our priorities, sometimes we drift through life and then we wind up feeling like we're so busy, but we're not doing the most important things or the things that we really wanted to do in our lives. So that's kind of step one is figuring out what do we really want and then to like get, make sure we use our time a little more thoughtfully. Um, and then I have a section on how to navigate the workplace and mm-hmm. some advice on how you could do that. And then some sections about making the most of your family time. I love that you have um, sections in there on things that you 
you make people think about the things that you, they should stop doing. In other words, like yes. <laughs> time suck, you know? Yep. <laughs> and women, I, I know as moms fall into this trap a lot, the, the buzzword for moms today is I'm so busy. I'm crazy yes. busy. But when we really sit down and think about what we're doing, what is it that you're busy with? You know? Right. Well, I think two things go into that. Yes. I mean, a lot of us don't use our time perhaps as effectively as we could. And that's not to say we, we shouldn't have downtime. Um, we should. It's just like our downtime should be like a little bit thought out <laughs> instead of, exactly. you know, getting sucked into Facebook for two hours. Um, it'd be better if we said, okay, for the next two hours, I'm really going, going to unwind. What's the best way for me to do this? Um, the other thing with time use, which I think is you know, some of the most usable advice that I found in my research for the book is to try to, um, if there's something important, set like a chunk of time for it. So instead of, yeah, 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 I'm playing with my kid, but now I have to get dinner ready, and now I have a phone call from work, and now I'm back playing with my kid, um, that's very distracted time, and mm-hmm. it's not good for anybody. It's not good for your kids. It's not good for you. Whereas if we said, okay, for the next two hours, I'm doing nothing. I'm shutting my phone off. Dinner could be later tonight. For these two hours, I'm doing this project with my kid, or I'm just having this conversation, or you know, we're doing something together. And you know, having a two-hour time chunk uh, for something important, or a date night with my, my spouse, or to exercise, uh, is much better than catching 10 minutes here and there. Uh, because even if it's the same amount of time, it doesn't feel like uh, really good use of time. Exactly. It's so true. And you know, the thing is too, uh, what's so valuable about what you just described is the model that we're setting for our own kids. Mm -hmm. We talk so much about how kids today have such high anxiety levels and they're so overworked and they're so overstressed and they're so over scheduled Mm -hmm. when we're setting the model for being overworked and overstressed and overscheduled. What did we expect? Right. You know, yeah, I, I mean, listen, we're busy. I, I get it. You know, the, you know, your listeners, my readers, we're busy people, right? If you're a parent and, and you have a career, um, you know, you're busy. But mm-hmm. there's ways you could do it that you're, you're spending time on, on the things you really want to spend some time on. And you could do it maybe with less anxiety. And I think that's important. I mean, it's hard. But, you know, one of the things I hope someone gets out of this book is they get a feeling like, yeah, I could do this. I don't have to be as nervous about it. Um, and that it's okay to have unstructured time. And, in fact, you know, that's one thing I really say is that, you know, you should build in unstructured time into your schedule if you can. Um, so the time with your kid doesn't always have to be activity and this and that. It could just be, you know, sitting around or pulling out a board game or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I have to tell you, I'm married to the ultimate scheduler and, <laughs> and it is so stressful because honest to God, this is the guy that if we go on a seven day vacation, mm-hmm. he has every day scheduled. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, it's important to schedule things, but yeah, I, 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 I would bristle at that myself. <laughs> yeah. I'm like me and the boys are like, you know what? We're just going to spend this one day. We're just going to erase this one day off of your schedule and just go with the flow and, and follow our energy for crying out loud. And if that means that we sleep till noon and then go to the pool for the rest of the day, so what, you know? Yeah. But I think yeah. some people are just inherently designed to be that structured. 
Yeah, well, I mean, again, what I would say is maybe if you've given this book to your husband, uh, that <laughs> um, you could feed this structured side of him by, by saying, we need to build in a break so that I can mentally recover, and then I could really be with you and on the same wavelength when we're back on and being active. Um, that might be a good way to um, present it, perhaps. I love that. I, I also love the idea of putting the plan out there, like even the unstructured time. Uh, for example, like my, I'm, I'm going to a trainer, a personal trainer now, mm-hmm. because I'm not yep. one of those people that's self-motivated to work out. I'll just right. stop. I'll quit. Right. But be- because my whole family knows that I'm doing it, they're my accountability partners. You know, and I think that when you put things out there, when you say like, this is, this is the plan, this is my plan, even this is my plan for myself. When you're sharing it with your entire family, now you have all of those accountability partners that are going to, you know, hold you to it. And I think you also raise another important point is that we're role modeling this for our kids, right? And it's important that not your entire life can't revolve just around your kid, uh, because if, if, if it does, you're sending a signal to your kid that they're the center of the universe. Um, so that you have your personal training time, and that's time that you're away and you're concentrating on yourself, I think is, is a very healthy signal to send. It's in, the, in the short time that I've been doing it, I've noticed such a dynamic difference in everything, like the way my kids want to exercise and the way our whole family is eating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's really been valuable. So yeah. for the people who say, well, I have teenagers, it's too late for me to be a role model now. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. You can do it in a week. You know, it's, yep. it's absolutely true. So we talk, you talk a lot about, um, shifting the mindset from mom to parent, And for me, that goes back to, you know, a very feministic equality based type conversation. And one of the things that we're dealing with in this country hugely is um, like childcare, maternity leave, paternity Mm -hmm. leave, all of that stuff. That's one of those things that you feel very strongly about, correct? Oh, yes, absolutely. And that was, you know, part of why I was at the White House. And um, being a New Yorker, um, we got our amazing news this past week. I don't know if you, you've heard this, but New York became the fourth state to have uh, paid family leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was actually something that, I mean, I, I played in very extremely tiny part in that, I think, uh, through oh, some, no, it was some huge. advocacy. We're going to say it was huge. Partnering with others and support, you know, in fact, every purchase of my book, uh, a percentage goes to an organization called A Better Balance, which is a not-for-profit that has been advocating for things like paid family leave um, all around the country. Um, and, you know, so, uh, you know, I think, I, I think a wave is coming. Um, it's going to come in fits and starts, but, you know, think about where we are now compared to 10 years ago. Um, and I'm just very optimistic that, you know, more change will happen because it's obvious. I mean, when, you know, when families are supported, it's, it leads to sustainable success for everybody. It's better for kids. It's better for moms and dads. It's better for our society. You know, kids who have involved parents, 
um, you know, tend to do better in almost every possible way they could do better. Um, and workplaces benefit. I mean, if you have a, a workplace that values you as a whole person, not just like a cog in the machine, mm-hmm. you're much more likely to stay at this company, and you're much more likely to pour yourself into it when they need you. Um, and so I've been making this case uh, to business um, you know, in the business community, in the academic community, um, in, you know, to dads themselves and to working parents themselves. And um, I just, I'm seeing the the change is happening. Like the wave is building. So I'm really optimistic. I think it's brilliant. I really do. And I think that it's, it's one of those things where we see so much about moms having to, um, moms, for every, um, child that you have, you take a 4% pay cut. And I truly believe that that's because of the time that you spend out of the workforce, Yep. you know? And so I, I think that if we made it more mainstream, more, more equal, more unilateral, that a, a new parent gets a specific time to bond with their child, you know, now we're not making it men against women. Yeah. And also it sets up an expectation because if you have a family dynamic where, you know, the mom gets the maternity leave, but the dad doesn't get anything, um, then, you know, of course the mom's going to get a little better at raising the kid because, you know, some of it's just time on task, right? Sure. Um, but it sets up a dynamic then where it's like, well, the mom's the primary parent. The dad's just the semi-competent helper. Um, the mom's <laughs> career has been hurt because she had to take a pause, but the dad's career keeps going um, because he didn't take the pause. And so now even a, fa- a you know two people who really went into it wanting to be a 50-50 kind of couple – they get pushed into um, kind of these unequal uh, distribution in the family. And it would be so much better if families were given more, more choice to organize themselves as, as what's best for the family. Because, you know, again, if the burden is all put on women uh, to balance all this, then, you know, obviously that's unfair to them. But it's also we're not asking enough of men and we're cutting men off from, you know, listen, the heart of my life is is being a husband and a father. And if, you know, if if the workplace or um, the expectations of others, um, you know, cut men off from this vital part of their lives, that's a, that's a real loss. And, you know, so, so, so I'm really, I'm really encouraged that newer generations, younger parents today, uh, younger dads today are far more interested in having a whole life and having more close, intimate relationships with their children as they grow up. Um, I think it's great that co- my college kids, again, I'm a college professor, that they text their, their parents just about every day. I think that's beautiful. Um, right. And, you know, <laughs> isn't it? And people complain about helicopter parents, and it couldn't go too far. But, like, I want that. You know, I want when my sons grow up that I'm um, – that we've built such a warm relationship that we can, we can have that throughout our lives. And, and more and more men are, 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 want that. And, Absolutely. you know, a book like mine and, you know, I, I think hopefully can help some dads uh, find a way to get there. I love that, Scott. Thank you so much for, you brought so much great information and I love your book. The book is called The Working Dad's Survival Guide, How to Succeed at Work and at Home. And, the and author if I could just jump in Scott one Eason. second, I find yeah. that, a lot of the people who are buying my book are women 
who are mm-hmm. buying it to understand their husbands better and also then to kind of be the gateway or the presenter of this information. So um, I would recommend that. <laughs> I do too. Absolutely, Scott. Thank you so much. Yes, it's for the whole parent, not just for moms or dads. And I 